Let's cross over to Boston to speak to Kevin Cullen of the Boston Globe. The US still in shutdown. White House talks of Republicans failed to reach agreement, but one man is trying to prop the whole thing up. It was turning into chaos. It was like a little ghetto, and I, um, I just started spending 10, 12 hours a day down there. So today I thought I was going to make history. I, I, I showed up with a lawnmower, and I started cutting the front lawn of the Lincoln Memorial. Kevin, tell us about Chris Cox. Who is he and what's he doing? Well, I don't know who he is or what he is, but he should have been in Forrest Gump. Um, He's he's just a regular guy. He he saw saw a need, so he took his lawnmower down there. Initially, they tried to stop him, but he's very quickly, um, when I make the Forrest Gump reference, the guy has really become like sort of a national hero because he's sort of literally cut through the, the baloney here down in Washington and just done what's had to be done. He's cutting the grass. He's been called the one-man militia. Only in America would they call somebody a militia on of his course, own. Of course, militarize something, of course. Yeah, Why yeah. Not, you know? But the whole point, what he has exposed is the fact that this is ridiculous. But it's about to become more than just embarrassment and America kind of hanging his head in shame internationally. You are within days of a default, and there is no talk of success no. between the Republicans and the White House. Well, I mean, in fairness, we have until November 22nd uh, to get that done. Um, but this is really a problem. I mean, the, the problem, John, I think we've talked about it before. This is, is much, it's really not necessarily about Democrats and Republicans. They are no more polarized today than they were last year. This is really a fight for the Republican Party's soul. And right now, about 40 uh, members of the House of Representatives who identify themselves proudly as Tea Party members they are holding their own party hostage. And that party is terrified of the prospect of having to uh, fight off a Tea Party challenge in their own seats. So this is all about just crass opportunism at that level. Now, they're hiding behind these highfalutin ideologies and philosophies, but that's really what it comes down to. You have individual reps from the Republican Party who are terrified of losing their seats if they appear to go soft on this issue. The posturing is offensive, but this is what it is. And, you know, until the Republicans get their House in order, we're not going to get the House of Representatives in order. It's simple as that. The whole thing about this, I don't know whether you saw the story, there was 20 decapitated ducks in Offaly. I mean, what they're turning Obama into is, is an incredibly lame duck president. You know, he's in the middle of a second term, and here he is, enable, completely incapable of doing anything because he's being held to ransom by these guys. Yeah, and, and you, have to, you have to question what the long-term strategy and or effect of this is going to be. Now, the polling is pretty clear that most Americans blame the Republicans for this. And yet there's a stubborn 33% of Americans who say this is all President Obama's fault because he won't make concessions to the Republicans. Of course, within that 33%, Jonathan, 80% of those people think that Barack Obama is a Muslim who was born in Africa. So that's the disconnect we're dealing with. Um, There's that phrase, low-information voters, which actually is used by the right wing against the left wing in this country. But... The reality is that there are people that, you know, that most people are checked out on this. Most Americans are, are paying far more attention to who's got talent and whatever they're watching on Tuesday night than they are following this stuff. And, and, to, and in their defense, John, I mean, this stuff is, like I said, the, the disconnect between what goes on in the Beltway and what goes on in the heartland of America is just so wide that uh, you're, you're, I think we're breeding an entire generation of people who are totally cynical about government, who think that government only does bad things. 
Yeah, don't, uh, don't, worry it, about, it, it, I was say, don't worry about that 30%. We've got a, uh, there seems to be 30% vote no to every referendum in this country, no matter what the subject was. I think there was something similar in the children's course. referendum. So, you know, there, there is that 30% out there always. But what, where the Republicans got caught badly was this incident, the, the soldiers who died in Afghanistan. I think it was 17. Right. Um, right. How did they get caught and how did the public react to that? Well, they, they got caught because there were no, there were no death benefit. There's a death benefit if you're killed in action or killed in, in a combat theater. Your family immediately receives $100,000. The uh, government pays for the burial and all that. I mean, that can run $10,000 in many cases. And so, you know, the family is taken care of immediately. Now, that stuff got shut down with the government. And, you know, the Republicans immediately said, okay, uh, oh, we want um, a, a spending bill just for this. But this cherry-picking thing, and they're deciding what they want to support. So they want to keep open, you know, they'll say, oh, we want money for the World War II memorials, because that's their base, old, angry white guys. So, you know, okay, all the guys that are 80 years old now will keep their memorials open, but screw the guys from Vietnam. It's so preposterous, John, that what they're doing. And they're suggesting that, oh, we really wanted to get these benefits to these, to the, um, the, 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 the dead servicemen, but President Obama will not approve it. And this is the ludicrous part of this, this sort of cherry-picking. We'll support this, but we won't support that. And I, this is what I would say to Republicans. I didn't support the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. Can I get a rebate? Can you send me back my tax money that went to those wars? I mean, it's ludicrous. Let's move on to a different president, a former president, one still loved in parts of the United States. Uh, Bill Clinton was here this week. He met Pat Kenny. Uh, here's a little excerpt from their chat. Would you like to be the first gentleman? I would like to be whatever she wants me to be. I, <laughs> I helped her. She helped me in politics from 1974 until January of 2001. And so I got 27 good years of support. From so you'll do your bit. Yeah. So I told her that she could have the next 27 years. And then if I were still alive, we would argue about what would happen then. I would like her, uh, I would like to be whatever she wants me to be. That's a man who knows his place, doesn't it? Absolutely. I mean, I think he listens to that Sammy Wynette song more than she does. But, uh, you know, he, it's intriguing when you think about it, because I, I don't think a lot of people have wrapped their head around it. If Hillary becomes president, then you have the case of a former president serving as the first husband, I guess, or first gentleman or whatever you want to call it. And obviously, this, this, would have got, this would be a guy with so much more credibility than, say, somebody who wants to get behind an obesity campaign or a literacy campaign. Um, I would imagine Bill Clinton would take a substantive role in that administration, more, something more like a troubleshooter, because he remains very popular um, in, in, in the United States. I think he's probably more popular in Ireland. But, um, and he's very popular with some of the... Um, some of the other governments in, in Europe and some of the particularly is very popular in Africa. Mm. And uh, it's interesting because if she gets back in, and right now there's early polling suggesting she'd be a very formidable candidate, I mean, I could see Bill Clinton becoming sort of a, a special you know, ambassador to Africa and, um, and, and spending an awful lot of time on that issue. Well, look, we've got two popes in the Vatican. Why not two presidents in the White House? Although I don't think I could now compare Bill Clinton to the Pope somehow. Now, that, that might be a bit of a stretch. Kevin Cullen of the Boston Globe. We'll talk to you next Friday. Thanks, John. All the best.